Welcome to MAP, the bi-weekly market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. Mars makes it as easy as possible for you to get your pharmaceutical, medtech or digital health product to the market and of course get the price it deserves. My name is Stefan Walzer, I'm the founder of Mars and a health economist by training and working in the fields of market access, reimbursement, pricing and health economics already since 2004. And now let's learn about the market access and reimbursement systems around the globe. Austrian healthcare reimbursement. Sounds maybe complex, especially when maybe looking from outside. Some might even say this is maybe a more pragmatic pathway into the reimbursement, especially of drugs. We have, and here especially now focusing the episode on the drug area, so not yet on medical devices or other parts. We'll focus and follow up with that on another episode. So let's just focus here and see and discuss about the drug area here. If you have a drug, the first kind of core question in Austria is clearly if it is really administered in the inpatient and or the outpatient setting. Why is that important? Because once you're administered as a drug in the inpatient setting, there's no need for formal dossier submission to the so-called Hauptverband. The Hauptverband is the core decision maker in the Austrian healthcare system, but is at least currently only focusing on the outpatient setting. There are some discussion in the inpatient setting as well, how and in which ways a benefit or let's say a health technology assessment benefit could potentially being done in the near future, but discussion already ongoing. And as some of you might already know, there are even more bigger kind of current kind of um, updates, let's call it in the healthcare system in Austria, especially from the health insurance perspectives currently ongoing. So what does it then really mean? From an outpatient perspective, this is basically quite clear that once you want to launch a product, you need to go into the submission to the Hauptverband, which is, I would say, really a more pragmatic kind of submission. You have templates, templates with various, let's call it tables, where you need to fill uh, those kind of different tables with the different contents out there. Various tables exist, or let's say various templates exist, depending on which drug and which kind of submission you have. And then you need to simply include those, like the mode of action, like a summary of the clinical benefit, but also and quite clearly, for example, the prices from other countries. This is very important. And then you need as well to think about where and which kind of box this drug might fall into which kind of box this has a major impact, especially also how it could be prescribed. So there's the red box, the orange box, the yellow box, and also the green box. Quite clearly, I think the green is quite evident that this is the kind of called best box, but I think innovative new drugs with a kind of, let's call it decent price, might not fall into that kind of category. But I think most importantly is quite clearly First of all, submission of the dossier, then it goes into the price negotiation, and within the price negotiation, the EU prices are a core driver. Let's also discuss that shortly in the discussion with Professor Bukcic. What about the inpatient setting? In the inpatient setting, no dossier is needed, but what is needed is obviously convincing, firstly physicians, and then finally, maybe by the physician, but quite clearly also together with the um, pharmaceutical company, you need to convince convince the business owners, or let's call it the um, administrators of the hospitals, that they would as well either 
say yes, we will reimburse it, we pay for it, and or that they basically try to bring it into the inpatient kind of setting. The hospital budgets are there's in the responsibilities of the regional or the regions in Austria, and hence there's a bit, let's call it more flexibility also in there, but it might also be a bit more tricky. That depends heavily, quite clearly again, on the drug and on the way the drug is being priced for. So let's just see what Professor Bukcic will say about the kind of current issues in the Austrian healthcare system. Perfect. So thank you, Anna Bukcic, as an expert from Austria to also join us now today in the discussion and also to understand much more what is happening in Austria and the system there. I mean, everybody knows at least a bit, I think, that the Austrian system is organized in so-called boxes. Um, could you could you explain a bit those stack box system and also what the key, different key drivers are for a positive inclusion there? Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak to you and to explain a bit about the Austrian system. Uh, well, yes, uh, the, Austrian, uh, the Austrian outpatient reimbursement system for pharmaceuticals is organized in so-called boxes. So uh, first of all, you have uh, the red box, uh, which is where all the drugs are put, where the um, market marketing authorization holder submits an application. So as soon as the application is submitted and the application is complete, the product is put into the red box and it stays there until a decision is made. So it's like a, a holding pattern, if you will. And after a, a decision is made, the product is put either into the green box or the yellow box, or, uh, or it falls out of all the boxes. And this has sort of an informal name of the no box. So uh, the products in the green box are mostly reimbursed without any qualifications or preconditions. There are some exceptions. You could have products in the green box which are only reimbursed for children or which are only reimbursed if prescribed by a specialist. And there are uh, some products which, which have a, a, some kind of a condition, but that's the exception and not the rule. Most products in the green box are reimbursed unconditionally. And patients pay have a, have a fixed copay and if they reach a certain amount of copay uh, during the year, then uh, they're exempt from this. Or if they fulfill some special uh, conditions. Now, products in the yellow box, uh, the yellow box is reserved for innovative products. And all the products in the yellow box have conditions listed, uh, which are necessary for reimbursement. So you might have to have a certain disease or a certain severity. Uh, uh, you, you might, uh, the doctor might have to check certain lab parameters, um, things like that. And if these conditions are fulfilled, then the product is reimbursed. Now, there are two ways to go about this. Products in the so-called dark yellow box need prior authorization. And this is done electronically online. So uh, the doctor submits a request and includes any documentation that's necessary. And then he receives an answer back. And the response time is usually less than uh, half an hour. 
actually it's it's even shorter it's like 10 minutes or something so the patient can wait outside in the waiting room until this uh, the uh, the authorization is granted so that's the so-called dark yellow box uh, the light yellow box is the same in principle, except that you don't have to ask for a prior authorization, but you just have to document that all of the necessary preconditions have been met. And this is then a spot check, spot checked by the health insurer. So that's a simpler way of the going about the yellow box. And it's important to know that even if a product is not in the yellow or the green box, uh, if it's not listed, it can still be reimbursed on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. Then you need a prior authorization on an individual basis. And many of the products uh, can have the prior authorization sort of given for a period of time, like six months. So you only have to apply, well, you have to apply all the time, but the conditions are only checked the first time. And then they're rechecked again after six months. So that's how uh, the boxes work. Very good. I think this gives already a very good summary of the different kind of boxes. I think it shows nicely also, let's say, where also the, the let's say, the different kind of uh, products, probably also with the different kind of evidences and what they have shown as well might basically be, uh, let's say, rated into. Um, could you also go a bit further, let's say, given uh, the kind of evidence needs or the, the requirements, which might be maybe driving such a drugs into those boxes and or is it primarily the kind of price and the price level of those drugs? Well, uh, on a practical basis, it's usually the price. Well, uh, the law says that the yellow box should be reserved for innovative products. So uh, you either have to be like, you have to either offer a benefit versus products in the green box, or uh, if you show that you're, you know, comparable to other products in the yellow box, that's how you get in there. Now, there's no law that says that an innovative product cannot be included in the green box, except for the price, uh, because, um, there are pricing rules for the boxes. So for the green box, the price of the product has to be below the European average. For products in the yellow box, the, the maximum price is the European average. Now, uh, with regard to the red box, uh, you can have more or less any price, but uh, if it turns out that this price was above the European average, the company will have to refund it. So with regard to the degree of evidence, it's, it's, it, I guess it might be a bit of a paradox because uh, as you know, uh, new and even expensive products uh, often aren't, don't have as robust an evidence base as uh, maybe products for mass use. So it's, it, so it's naive to think that products in the yellow box have a better evidence base than products in the green box. If anything, it's the other way around. That's also an interesting one, absolutely. I mean, I was always thinking a bit, I mean, how maybe to compare also the Austrian system, let's say if we leave the boxes maybe a bit outside, but just the, 
the evaluation process, yeah. if that is maybe something like a kind of analog light, right? I mean, you have the templates, which are, mm -hmm. let's say, much more pragmatic than the German kind of template. Um, I think also much more, let's say, driven into the kind of, uh, let's say, direction, is there a benefit or not? I mean, as you just described, where would you potentially see a kind of similarity maybe to the German Amnog, or would you maybe just say that's a totally different kind of system and evaluation process? Well, you know, we Austrians like to think that we've had this system of a positive list even before uh, Germany had it. I don't know if the, you remember Horst Seehofer tearing up the first German positive list around 1990. And Austrian, Austria has had this system, as I believe, almost since after World War II. So uh, it's, it's well, I, I don't know if you could consider it a prototype of Amnok, but we've been talking to our German colleagues all the time. So um, I think they, sometimes they were a bit envious of the Austrian system. Now they're not because now they have something that's uh, much more uh, robust. Um, I like to say that, you know, Germany is a rich country. So they can afford three institutions to take care of reimbursement. You've got ICWIG, you've got GBA, and then you've got Spitzenverband. Whereas in Austria, it's all done in one department. Now, uh, of course, we don't have as many resources as Germany does, which is uh, why uh, we just look at the submission and check the submission and do only research if we think that it's necessary. And we were also subject to the posit uh, to the transparency directive. So including price negotiations, we, uh, we have 180 days, whereas the German system is not limited by that. So we like to think we're sort of a prototype maybe. There are similar similarities, of course. Uh, I, I have always have the image of uh, dolphins and sharks in mind when I discuss this, because you can come from a completely different evolutionary background and you will still end up with the same hydrodynamically streamlined shape, which is the best thing. So uh, you have a submission uh, and then uh, this submission is checked. And then you have an expert committee that makes a recommendation and then somebody uh, ma makes a decision and somewhere in between you might or might not have price negotiations but you usually do in one way or another yeah exactly I, I, I like that comparison with the sharks and the dolphins so I guess you will be the dolphins in Austria right of course <laughs> that's what I thought <laughs> perfect nice comparison <laughs> I mean We have now spoken quite a lot on the outpatient setting, right? I mean, which is the kind of yeah. box system. I mean, the inpatient setting is obviously a bit different. Again, very similar to, I think, in Germany, by the way, right? I mean, different budget, different kind of decision yeah. makers, et cetera. Could you also just summarize a bit? I mean, if we have, let's say, a new drug or even a new medical device, how that mm -hmm. would also then be implemented in the hospitals in Austria? Well, uh, I, I always worked in the outpatient sector, so um, I can only give you a very, a very vague view of this. Uh, it's 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 actually much more chaotic, chaotic than the outpatient. The inpatient sector is much more chaotic than the inpatient sector. So, uh, in in principle, uh, each hospital or each uh, hospital uh, fund holder uh, will make its own decision. There have been, uh, so it's it's a complete silo system and it doesn't always make sense. Uh, 
because ultimately it comes out of the the the, uh, the pockets of the people who live in Austria and who pay taxes in Austria and who work in Austria. So it doesn't always make sense, but it hasn't been changed for, I don't know, ages. So it's a silo system. In fact, uh, there is a list of categories of non-reimbursable pharmaceuticals and hospital products are one of, this one of these categories. So even, so the first thing that you check when you receive an application for reimbursement is to check whether the product uh, fits this category of hospital product. And if it does, then it's not reimbursed in the outpatient sector. Uh, so what companies do is they go either to the individual hospitals or to, uh, uh, there are some groups of hospitals, regional groups, uh, which do their buying together. So you might go to these, uh, uh, these uh, associations. Like there's a, there's a Viennese hospital consortium uh, that, that where they work together and there's also one in Styria. So you really have to go to the local, local people. It's, it's not a nationwide uh, decision like for outpatient medicines. Right, right. I think yeah, that's uh, that's also I think what we have experienced so far. I think the inpatient setting, let's say, is a bit more like uh, fighting on the street <laughs> instead of really discussing on the table, right? <laughs> Which is also you know could as well help in some circumstances, I think. But I think it might also be quite complex. I mean, and also kind of long kind of mm. process um, a lot of yeah. times. Well, uh, one thing is important to know that the insurers uh, do make sure that these discussions, which can be quite long actually, that uh, that uh, patients don't suffer under, under this because if it's you know, really a, a problem, then one or the other will, um, will just reimburse the drug and then afterwards go to uh, ask, ask the other party to pay them back. It might even go to court, so we do support quite a lot of lawyers, but, uh, uh, but we do try to make sure that the patients don't suffer under this system. And there have been actually a couple of initiatives uh, to, have, um, to have an assessment system also for a nationwide assessment system for outpatient drugs. And I think one was just about to really take off and then COVID struck. So do you think that might maybe come back? Oh, I'm sure. Okay, that's interesting. And then I think there will also be a kind of submission process and evaluation and then probably nationwide kind of uh, decision, I guess, right? Well, I hope so. Unless unless the European system gets established first. <laughs> That's a good question. Exactly. <laughs> Let's just see. But I guess the Austrians will be faster than Europe. <laughs> not so sure. <laughs> okay. Not, 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 when it, not when it comes to local governments. Hmm. Because uh, the federal system is, is there, uh, there are a lot of people who are, who, who, where the federal system is real, the federal system is really dear to uh, some people in Austria, and they will do anything to protect their, their little fiefdoms which is quite similar to the European level, actually. Exactly. That's also what I just thought when you were just starting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Austria is part of Europe, right? And and I mean, of Europe course. just consisting of all of those different, let's say, individual local kind of people, authorities, cultures. And I mean, that's what we see then finally, right? Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Very good. Okay. I mean, you have just brought in, I think, the, let's say, the kind of European uh, thinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, if you turn that back, and I think I liked as well what you said, it's, a, let's say, Austria was the prototype, let's say, for the HTA system, I think also then, I think in Germany, um, what could Germany further learn from Austria besides maybe that they have maybe and potentially taken the kind of prototype and have just, uh, let's say, made it more, let's say, complex than the prototype, but what else could Germany maybe learn from the Austrian system? Well, of course, the German system is, is, is much more thorough, if you will. Now, uh, how much that thoroughness uh, brings in terms of certainty of evidence, uh, I don't want to discuss that because if there isn't too much evidence, you can look at it very, very thoroughly and you're not going to find more. Uh, but uh, what I th there are one or two advantages of the Austrian system, I think, and I may well be biased, but one of them is that we uh, look at the drug, we assess the drug, before it's included in the positive list. So in Germany, you have the product on the market for one year, company can have any price they want. And then afterwards, and then during this year, you have the assessment and then afterwards you have the price negotiations. So uh, the product is really introduced into the market before uh, the final decision is made. And of course, it's much more unpleasant for everybody to take a drug off the market than not to introduce it in the first place. So this is, I think, an advantage of the Austrian system. And the second thing that I've learned from my German colleagues is that uh, in Germany, you don't have uh, conditional reimbursement. So the drug is either reimbursed or not. And you don't have this conditional system where you can have prior approval or reimbursement only under certain conditions. And that makes the system much more flexible. So yeah. I think that's an advantage. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And I, I, I think I agree. I think especially with that flexibility, I think um, that might be maybe something as well for a further, let's see, update of the German system. But let, let's just see. We have elections in autumn, so let's just see what will happen afterwards. <laughs> okay, perfect. I mean, you have, I think, covered already, I think, quite uh, the different kind of areas, the outpatient, the inpatient. I think we have also tried to, let's say, lever and compare it a bit um, across, uh, let's say, the, the different borders. Um, and then you mentioned, I think, in the very early beginning, that's maybe my last question as well, um, that depending on the boxes, you mm -hmm. might have obviously, let's say, different drivers for the price of a drug, right? Yeah. I mean, what I have heard is basically, you know, with the European level and, the, you know, maximum or it needs yeah. to be uh, below, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I would think about the negotiation, mm -hmm. how how can I maybe, uh, let's say, understand how this would really look like? I think it's, I think it's more, mm -hmm. I think, on a written basis. But what are also the drivers behind it? Could you shed some more lights on that as well? Oh, Yes. So the European prices, those are necessary but not sufficient conditions for reimbursement. Uh, there's actually um, a, a pretty uh, well-defined pricing system. The basic idea behind it is that if a product for, to be reimbursed in Austria has to provide an advantage. And this can be either a therapeutic advantage, and if the product has no therapeutic advantage, uh, then it has to provide an economic advantage. 
So we have very strict and very defined pricing rules, for example, for gen uh, generics. So the first generic has to be, you know, like I think 50, 52% or something below the price of the original product and so on and so forth. And then uh, the original product uh, uh, has to get a lower price within three months. So there are strict rules for that. And that makes life much easier. And then you have more time to negotiate for the really difficult uh, negotiation negotiations. There is actually also a rule for products um, which are not generics. So you have some kind of a rule also for different doses and for combinations. And also uh, there is also a rule for products which provide an advantage, but not a major advantage. So if a drug provides some kind of an advantage, then it can be uh, five to 10% more expensive than the comparator. So in this case, the price is anchored to that of the comparator. Of course, you can have a lots of discussions. Is the product it's really better or if it's not? Because if it's not better, then the price has to be uh, around 10% below the price of the comparator. You know, that's the consequence of saying, okay, if it doesn't offer a medical advantage, it has to offer an economic advantage, has to be 10% below the price of the comparator. Now, if you have a truly innovative product where you can't really define a, a, a pharmaceutical comparator, then the company will have to bring a pharmacoeconomic evaluation and show that the product offers reasonable value for money. Now, this is also one of the commonalities uh, with Germany because Austria does not have an explicit ISO threshold. So this is, it's, it's the same philosophy as in Germany saying, okay, you can't put a price on human life. Of course, there's always, you know, some kind of a, a, a figure in the back of people's minds saying, okay, this is way too much. This, you know, for this amount of money, you can buy the patient a new house every year. So um, there is an idea, of course, what's too expensive and what's not too expensive, but there's no explicit ICER. And for these products, uh, they usually end up in the yellow box, of course. Uh, you just have to have some kind of a negotiation. And this is where the European price is actually really important. Got you. I think that was great insights. Thank you very much, Anna Bogcic. I think uh, great insights from Austria. Looking forward as well to further discussion in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great discussion with Dr. Bukšić from Austria, covering not only Austria, but also a kind of, let's say, overview what might potentially be learned in Germany. Also, where the HTA maybe in Germany is even coming from, I think, when taking the kind of Austrian HTA system already existing since roughly closely after World War II uh, as a kind of prototype for the German AMNOC. Additionally, we have also discussed the potential impact by the European joint HTA. Let's just see how the implementation would really work. I think uh, we had some quite interesting kind of, let's say, uh, similarities, I guess, between how Austria is implementing, let's say, policy changes down to a local level and compare that to the European one where this would then need to be implemented on a national level. So let's just see. 
I think overall, I think besides obviously the interesting kind of explanation by Dr. Bukšić on the box systems for the various products, it's very important to maybe mention as well very briefly that she also just mentioned the experimental coverage, which is not yet really implemented in Germany. We know that something like that is potentially now being available since a couple of months for especially for orphan drugs. I think we've seen that now with the first cell therapies that this is being implemented. One needs to be seen if that might be further, let's say, adapted as well after potential further reforms of the AMNOC. But back to Austria, besides the box system, which is obviously being driven, as Dr. Bukšić also said quite clearly, based on the price, um, overall, when when it came to the negotiation part, just keep in mind that this is really being done basically in written, only rarely, for example, in few phone calls, but rarely, rarely really, I think it's ma majorly done in writing. And I think the co-drivers are then as well, the two components here. One is the therapeutic advantage and the other one is the economic advantage. Interestingly as well here, if there's no therapeutic advantage, then there needs to be at least an economic advantage. I think she also uh, just uh, said very clearly, if the product is not really better, then there's even a minimum of a 10% price reduction in comparison to the comparator products. Um, if there's maybe a kind of, if I want to translate that in, into that kind of term, minor added benefit, then there might be a potential for up to a 10% price premium. And everything obviously above needs then to be discussed. That was an episode of MAP, the market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. MAP is available every second week with a new episode, so watch out. And in case you might have questions, contact me directly and or visit our website on www.marketaccess-pricingstrategy.de. Thank you.